If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like not <laughs> This is the Flatbed Podcast, brought to you as always by Classic Ropes and Equinity Products. This week we got Andy Holcomb. Andy is one of the genuine good guys in this sport. Selfishly, I kind of nerded out. I loved all the insider information on how training horse programs work. Um, you hear people that are riding just an enormous amount of horses. How do they structure that? How does it work? Uh, his history, how he got involved in the sport. Great guy, great podcast. I know you're going to like it. If you've listened to over three flatbed podcast episodes, here's what you owe us in return. Rate and review. No, I'm kidding. You don't owe us anything, but we'd love it if you go rate and review the podcast. It's a gigantic help for our business model. Check out teamequinity.com. Equinity Horse XL has eight amino acids to promote cellular repair. No fillers, no sugars, no starches, no soy, no loading dose. I could not believe the difference it made in my horse in a short period of time. We're talking a few days, but wait until you see what it'll do in a month. Uh, Andy Holcomb. Yes, sir. We, talk, we caught up a little bit in Fort Worth just for a second. We really didn't get into like a whole lot. but I couldn't um, talk very well. <laughs> my lip was split In open. fairness, you did catch the uh, a horn knot, or a... Uh, I right in the yeah. Has that have you, has that ever happened before? Uh, not. I didn't catch one in the face before. I've definitely had one come back. Yeah. But not hit me in the face before. Calf yeah, roping. Was... You know all those years you not rope and stuff, and I can't tell you how many times you've seen just like looks like spaghetti where a rope just breaks and piles oh, up yeah. on somebody and yeah. There's the, nothing. There's no time. There's no reaction time. Like right. It, it the kid I rode it with, it's happened before. He's caught it in the face at least once. Did it get twice. a tooth or anything? No. No, yeah, he was pretty lucky. I think he ducked just enough. But, yeah, shattered his glasses, and he was all Goodness. cut up. So for people listening that don't know, at the Futurity, did you, you rope a leg or did you have them both? Uh, I kind of I had two for a second, and then it slipped down to And just toe. right to the toe, gets full tight, full extension, yeah. pops off and comes right back. Yeah, yeah, caught in the face. Ugh. <laughs> Yuck. So yeah. I, to kind of catch up on what we had done, you know, the, on the last one, I really wasn't, and I don't really keep my ear to the ground like I probably should. There's names that come up and like they seem new to me, and people are like, "Oh yeah, that guy's been around forever and been riding horses forever." And so, mm-hmm. um, that was kind of my experience. All of a sudden, you win the futurity on the gray horse. Yeah, was that your horse? No, no, uh, guy. Um, oh shoot, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Silva. Sorry, uh, sorry, Mr. Silva. Nothing no, personal. Sorry, I do Mr. All Silva. The time. <laughs> He's a client of uh, Justin Wright's. Okay. Uh, down there, and it was a cow horse that they had, and and uh, kind of wasn't making the cow horse deal. So he, Justin convinced him that we could kind of get it sold as a rope horse, and, and maybe a rope horse deal would be a good avenue to get him sold at. Turns out. So worked out. It was the right move. Yep. Did you know pretty much right off that it was going to work? Um, we had a pretty good idea. You know, the horse was real, real typey, real fast. Um, he was strong, but, but a lot of... One of those horses had a lot of eye appeal, you know, right. real presence when they walk in the in the arena and stuff. Right. Everybody notices them. Kind so of expressive. That's a good, yeah, real, real expressive. So that's a good start, you know, on does any it, horse. Does it feel like an uphill battle with a head horse that's got just all cow blood? We talk about this all the time, and I'm curious. Everybody seems to have a little bit of a variation on their on their bloodlines, but do you think to make it like as a top tier type head horse, they've got to have some run, or do you think that the working cow horses are right there? Well, I think they got to have some run, and it's not saying cow horses can't run, 
you know, I think it's just what the temperament almost that comes what, with it. What you come with, you know. Yeah. Um, I've had some really good, you know, cow horses that came that we roped on but couldn't run, and then I have had some that that could, you know. Yeah. So I think it just comes with the breeding and just the individual horse, you know. Some did horses want to run, some don't. Right. Did it, Did it feel like winning the futurity that year? Did you feel like everything changed in a day, or did you feel like it had been coming on for a while? Again, I'm only talking from my perspective because all of a no, sudden it sure. went from I didn't know who you were yeah. to all of a sudden you win the futurity and people go who and they go oh yeah he's been around forever I mean you carried a, a better reputation than what I had understood yeah yeah and I think it was more of like kind of like I guess a spotlight kind of thing for sure you know I was kind of doing the same thing before as I did then and am doing now but I think I guess it's more in the spotlight well and then Trevor buys him and, Trevor buys him right there at the sale right yep, and so yep, then that gets coverage so that adds to the spotlight yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah, actually, as I walked out the back end, yeah. Really? He was yeah. waiting for you at the end? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So. Did you guys I have, think, what kind of relationship do you guys have before that? Like, uh, were you guys buds before that? No, actually, I didn't even talk to Trevor there, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Justin Wright kind of set the whole deal up, and and uh, they kind of got it all done. I never even talked to Trevor, honestly. Did that time. pull a horse out from under you, or was he done after Not that? Not really, because that was the goal, yeah, was to sell the horse, day. you know? Um, and so I think it... Uh, we did the purpose that we set out to do, you know? Yeah. And I think it was a plus that he won won a lot of money there for the owner, too. Because I think hurt. he was hoping he was... You know, everybody's got big hopes for getting their money back when they've had a horse in training for a long time. And How long and had that horse been with you? Three, four months, maybe. Okay, so not really not that long Yeah, not you, very long. But he'd put a lot of money into him with the cow horse, too. Yeah, yeah. He bought him. I think he was kind of going already. And then uh, he bought him, um, kind of thinking it was going to make kind of a derby and then a bridle horse for him. And, uh, and like I said, he just kind of got a little strong, I think. And then, uh, and like I said, I don't know what do he you, got into him or how exactly how long he had him, but. Do you remember how that horse was bred? Nick's Black Diamond. What's yeah. that? I don't remember the mare. What is Nick's Black Diamond? Is that a <laughs> Nick of the Bud? Yeah, I think so. I believe so. I'd have to look that up. Actually, I got one right now, a four-year-old at home, but I don't. <laughs> really? Yeah, but so, I don't know. You've just started, how, like, when did you and Drigger's deal kick off? Because, well, first of all, tell me what you and Drigger's are doing, and then, like, how did that all, how did uh, that happen? Really, it just started, uh, so not this October, the, the October before. 2021. One. Yep. yep. We, uh, I was looking for someone to help me at the maturity there, and, uh, and so we actually, my wife ended up Facebook messaging him, or, or maybe she had his number, I can't remember, and. So you guys, it wasn't like you guys were like good buds or anything no, like that? No, no, not at all. He bought a horse from us like a year or two before that. Um, and so I think we had his number. And, yeah, so we just kind of got a hold of him and asked if he'd help. And, and uh, he said yes. And, and then uh, we kind of got, got talking there at the sale and, and ended up uh, he kind of wanted to do a little business together. And it just kind of sent some horses to California after that. And Is that a surprise, off. like, when that comes up or you, like, Oh, yeah. Because it's triggers, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. And that guy it seems from the outside looking into a guy that he's got his whole deal up and running, right? Oh, exactly. So for him to reach out and go, hey, I think you could be a, a benefit or we could be mutually beneficial, I mean, what? Yeah, no, for, no, definitely. Yeah, no, it was really completely humbling because, yeah, I never would have thought a guy, you know, of just won the world and kind of, I mean, he was already so big in the, in the horse market anyways that he yeah. would have any use for someone like me, you know? And he's building, and, without talking to him, I know we're talking about him, but he's got a stud and he's got mares. Like, he's building the whole program there, yep. right? Yeah, he's got a couple studs, actually. Yeah, what, he's got a metallic payday, and then he's got a uh, um, a little more running stud. Um, I'm going to blank blank on his name now. The metallic payday, that, is that the horse that came from Colby? Yes. Yep. 
Yep, the gray stud. The gray, and it was he rode. Yep. Was that the horse he was riding at uh, Buckeye? Yep, the gray that he was healing on. Yep. So yep, that's so. Is okay. So you've been in the horse deal for a long time, yep. and I want to get to that in a second. But is, do you think that this? Does, how how do I even say this? Is it a surprise? It is, is a shock. Did you see it coming that there is now all of a sudden breeding programs moving towards the team roping, which in my lifetime, start to finish, there was nothing there like that. So I think you'll probably appreciate this because this is kind of what I, I didn't say it out loud, I guess, but <laughs> I called myself the reject rider for a long time. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what we got as team ropers. Right. We got the rejects from reining, from cow horse, from cutting. Right. Heck, ranch horses. Even barrel horses. Right. We got reject barrel horses. You know, right? Um, we got we got all the rejects. They're like, oh well, it's not good at this. Just let's just rope on him and we'll sell him. Sure, you know, yep. like that was the outlet for him. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's completely the uh, you know kind of tables have turned and and people are actually getting programs for rope horses. What's the what's the, the ground best up. example in your mind of a team roping horse breed? And what I mean by that is, I've actually, I, I talked about this morning actually. You've got reining horses. We know what reining horse sires and mares are, right? Yep. Uh, same with cutting, same with rain, cow horse, race horses, barrel horses, all that. It seems like right now we're still sort of maybe orbiting a little bit of like what is a team roping horse or is it two things? Is it this is head horses, this is heel horses? In, in your mind, what's a what's an example of like a head horse? I think horse? it goes this is head horses and this is heel horses, definitely. Um, and not saying they can't cross over. Um, but you got you get good programs that are breeding, you know, running horses on cow horses and getting – you know, kind of getting their minds a little better, but retaining the run for yep. head horses. And then yep. you're getting the, the, uh, you know, the little more straight cow horses for heel horses. Um, but at the same time anymore, a heel horse has got to run just as much as a head horse does. Sure. So we can't, we can't just say, oh, we got to get a that, slow one horse and that lopes right here. Then yeah. we'll just heel on it because you ain't going to catch up. Right. And so you, uh, so you, you heel horse has got to be just as fast as a head horse. So, um, I think, I think it's getting right Sorry. Getting the right crosses, I believe, is, is a thing, you know? And I think that's going to really, I don't know, come to fruition, I guess, What do you, in the next couple of years. As an example, like right now, when you look at a consistent, good producing crop of babies, something you've seen, not just one good horse, but you're seeing a lot of good horses, what's a stud right now that you would say is like, this is a head horse stud? As an example, as we're trying to figure it out, what's one that you point to and go, it's kind of like that? Head horse stud. Whew. Because right now, again, to your point, we're still borrowing, right? Yeah. We're borrowing. Yeah. A rain cow horse is kind of a heel horse. Yeah. A running barrel horse is kind of a head horse. We're yeah. still, I know we're still borrowing from other industries at the yeah, moment. Yeah, no, definitely. And I don't know if I could say one, you know, just one head horse or one, or even one heel horse stallion, you know? Um, I think it's just more about the cross. Yeah. And and find the right the right mixture, you know? I wish I could say one. It seems like one or the the, other. from what I've seen, and again, again, it's infancy. We're still digging it out of the dirt at the oh, moment, yeah. but... It seems like whatever the flag ranch is doing right now seems to be working. You're nope, seeing a definitely. lot of like big, pretty, good, good scoring, hard running, good with their feet, that all have that brand on them. Yep. You know, there's like a lot of those horses. No, for sure, and you see that coming out in, in kind of Trevor's program and in in Rand's program. You know, a lot of the flag horses, but then them also integrating the running horses on cow horses right. too, and uh, and I feel like that's kind of made the biggest difference in head horses especially. Yeah. Um, right. Like I said, you're talking about Buckeye um, as a maturity, which ropings are all the same. They set up Buckeye five and six, six and under and, and all ages. They set up a rope barrier with it tail by the end of the gate. Like I can't real. remember the exact barrier Very the real. measurements, but I mean, you, you had to see them tail by the end of the gate. Yeah. And it was 
big bigger arena, and I mean these suckers run. And if you were late, you had to have something with some wheels on it. Was and it electric eye with a rope barrier? No, it was full, a rope full neck, full rope. neck rope. No yeah, kidding. Full neck rope, and uh, and yeah, it was it was full contact, and and you definitely seen a separation in the you know maybe the horses that were a little more straight cow horse and didn't have the top right. end as. Uh, you know, maybe those horses can, can get a lot across the line, you know, fast and, and make up ground right. there, but they didn't have the top they end level to, really, yeah. to really gain out in the field when those steers are running. Or, what about, cause to me, the, the running horses that I've gone through, it seems like they just naturally want to score better. We talk about this all the time. Somebody's listening to this podcast like, oh, my God, Jordan, shut up. <laughs> but it does seem like when you want a horse, it'll stand there and score and mm-hmm. just take it. Just give the cow head start, stand there, and then go. Mm-hmm. It's, to me, it feels like it would be really hard when one is just – full-on Cowie to to understand that process of, like, he's getting away, right? Like, you're giving them a head start mm-hmm. and not feel, like, hot and reactive and want to go get them. Yeah. It seems like the run maybe shows up the most in the in the scoring for me. Yeah, and I don't know if I – I don't know if I completely agree with that because um, I've kind of – just kind of started to more dabble into some of the horses with a little more run and stuff. I've kind of been more straight straight cow horses mm-hmm. kind of early on. And, uh, and I actually had a little more trouble with – with horses with a little more run in the box yes really um i actually i actually like it more when someone disagrees because i learned something like yeah I, I, so don't feel like you have to be polite yeah, like, for i, sure. I want to know yeah no for sure I, and, and that's been yeah i think a weakness of mine and i don't know it's just a hole in my program that i kind of you know from riding more cow horses and especially if they come from a, a through a cow horse program they're typically a little more submissive yep you know, yep. they've been rode pretty hard already. They've, they've already been, been offended hard. at some point. They, and so, you know, they, they kind of know pressure a little bit. Yeah. And so I feel like that can translate to the, to the roping a little bit, and they take, sure. take that pressure good, whereas, you know, some of these running horses um, maybe haven't been through a program like that. And, and like I said, I, I need, it's maybe a hole in my program that I need to change and, and kind of ride them differently. Maybe ride them a little bit more, don't pick on them as much, and just you know run more cattle or something, score more. Yeah. I don't know. But um, you're you're saying you've had more problem problem with them in the box. Definitely than, interesting. Yeah. On an average, yeah. On average, you know, there's always that one that's 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 good. But but yeah, on average, the, I've had more trouble. The gray that Lightning bought, that was the first racehorse. Like he was Jess Perry Cartel, mm-hmm. uh, and so I've been around barrel horses, and I've been around horses that had like a little bit of race, a little bit of cow stuff. That was the first like racehorse bred horse I'd ever really messed with. And I'll never forget, I wasn't letting him face. Like, I just roped Terminator up loose, roped Terminator up loose. And we get to Arizona, and I, have, I probably hadn't faced him in two weeks, something like that. I run around the rope this year, come across there, and he always wanted to face. Like, even the people that had, me, had him before I did had started, like, roping a slow cattle on him, I think, maybe, and always wanted to face. Yeah. Guy ropes him, and I go to face. Like, there's nothing. Like, nothing I'm trying, there. and he just grabs the bit. It's almost like, I don't think he closed his eyes. It felt like he just grabbed the bit and closed his eyes and loped to the left. Like, regardless of what I was telling him, he was just so yep. patterned. Like, it to, Pattern. he was not a thinker at all. He yep. was just like, whatever you showed him, okay, that's how we do it every single time. Yes. And for me, as frustrating as that was, it was like, it, to me, it was really eye opening of like, man, their process is different. Like, yep. they just, they think differently than a cow horse. It's almost like got dog in them that are like, yes. you can teach them way more easily. Yes, exactly. And I think that might be the whole of my program right there is maybe the repetition you know on those cow horses like you said you show them a couple times and and they just okay that's what we're doing yeah easy and they have the cow they have the run the, right you know the, the, the common the, sense the, part yeah exactly and uh and so i think yeah on those running horses it's definitely a little more repetition you know yeah shout out bobby moat this is what bobby said and so if it's if it's not right i don't know but it seems to be true 
He said on the track, they don't run them every day. They don't work them every day. He said with a running horse, you've got to like work them, get to the bottom of them, get them tired and give them a day off. Sometimes they can give them two days off. Like they're not designed to do something every single day. That's where they get kind of like burn up and hot. And he said, if you'll like ride them and then give them two days off and then ride them again, or maybe ride them, maybe ride them two days in a row, but give them three days off. But like take the intermittent breaks where like a cow horse, you give them two days, they're fresh again. Yeah, they're fresh. They're cow fresh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're a boat away from the cow and the whole deal. And and I've tried, I've really tried with like, especially the ones I've had that have got running them, like not, try to do six days a week or five days a week. Try to like show them something, see if they're good, let them have a day to rest. And, and it seems to be, to me, it seems yep. there seems to be something to yeah. it. That makes a lot of sense. You might just fix my program. Right I don't now. know. I like, hey, I if like it helps. This. Yeah. I like this. I'm, I'm curious yeah. if it works. So yeah. go back to, you know, before Andy Holcomb was Andy Holcomb, what yeah. was life? You grew up in Northern California? Yeah. Yeah, kind of real central California, right? Just above Salinas. Okay. Uh, which is, they call it northern, but it's yeah. pretty central. Mid, mid-California? Mid yeah. yeah, yeah. What'd you guys do there? Oh, so I grew up kind of on a little ranch, little ranch there. My parents uh, had a few cows and stuff, but they didn't show or anything. My mom showed when she was younger, and, uh, and, uh, and I just kind of got, oh, I got, started riding with a trainer when I was eight. Who's that? Shown, uh, Ramona Coke was her name. Ramona Coke. Shout out Ramona. What'd she, yep. And what did she do? Uh, mainly now versatility, but back then it was a lot of cow horse. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so I started riding with her kind of early on. Yo, so they were lessons. letting you go take lessons at eight years old. Yeah. Which yeah, seems so, young. So where landscape down there, it's really steep and real brushy. We're kind of 10, 50 miles from the coast, right in the hills. It's brush and poison oak and oak trees and, yeah. and steep and stuff. And where we had cows at. So I think my mom figured it that if we were going to go out and help my dad gather cows and do stuff, <laughs> need to be handy we need to know how to ride <laughs> right. and not get killed. <laughs> so she started sending us to lessons when we were eight, and it kind of just snowballed that we kind of ended up showing a little bit, getting in the cow horse. You know what, obviously, a low level um, early just on kind of the beginning. I was like 12, I think. Did you just love it like all along, like from the beginning? I just loved horses, you know. Right. I just loved riding. Um, you know, I had a brother that did it with me too. Um, and What's your so brother's we, name? So we kind of got to JP Holcomb. JP. Yeah, he uh, he moved to Pennsylvania now, but he used to ride a lot when he was younger with me and stuff. What and even happened? Like, I'm so embarrassed to admit this. But <laughs> right. Like, if it happens east, I know it's the same country. I know they're Amer- just as American as I am. I get that. But you say Pennsylvania, it's like he just moved to the dark side of the moon. Like, why would anybody move to Pennsylvania? Well, that's pretty good you say that, because usually when I say California, everybody says that about me. Well, I'm not saying it doesn't have a draw- its drawbacks. <laughs> it's just but that it's coast. What, yeah, what do people do in Pennsylvania? He hunts. There's a lot of hunting over there. What and does he, he do for he work? he loves to hunt. Uh, he's an engineer. Oh, uh, okay. He's the, he's, he's he's the smart one. Yeah, fair. <laughs> he's a, right. Yeah, he's, he's a mechanical and civil engineer. And, well, and engineers so. can kind of go anywhere and work, yeah, right? Like, exactly. there's kind of a need for that everywhere. Yep. So he moved. So then yeah. you're. Well, that was, yeah, and that was obviously a long time, uh, or not very many years ago. But yeah, we started riding together. And then, uh, oh, we started uh, about 13, freshman in high school, I started team roping with Les Oswald. Okay. Was uh, Les California? Yep. I just, yep. I, I know the name and I kind of know who he was. I just met him this past weekend. He's yep. just a super nice guy. Super nice guy. Yeah. Nice and I kind of, I kind of got hooked up through a friend and uh, he came over and gave us some lessons and I kind of just got the bug. I always loved roping before that. We, branded and stuff yeah and i never just i never roped out of the box right and uh and we didn't have any team roping horses or anything and my parents weren't gonna buy one so right we kind of just started roping on whatever we had around you know sure. and, and going for lessons up there and and kind of right right away i started spending every summer up there and was it kind of pretty much instantly when you started roping you're like okay it's this yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah, it was one of those things. I think I was, like I said, I started coming out of the box probably 13 or 14. And yeah, it was kind of right then. It yeah. was, this is what I want to do forever. It was less it takes to do this. pretty instrumental in like, yeah. did he stay in the picture uh, for a while? Oh, for a long, he still is. Yeah. yeah. He still cool. is all the time. He comes to all these maturities and everything too. And I go over to his place in California and rope with him quite a bit. And so does he go back then in the summers back to California? Yeah. Is he just here seasonally? No, he's just here for the shows. Oh. He doesn't stay. I thought he had a place down here. I do. He doesn't. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Which so. I didn't get to stay here either this year, but, <laughs> but I usually get to stay a little bit longer. Um, but yes, yeah, just kind of went riding with him and, and got, got going and. And, and did you uh, think did you think that that would be a career like in your mind? Because one I, I say I've said this a lot, but Ken Bray said if somebody gets to make a living with their spurs on, they're a lucky guy. Yeah. Like there's so few people that actually make a profit or make an income mm-hmm. getting to do something like that. And so I think the natural maybe inclination is like I want a team rope instantly, and a concerned parent would be like, okay, that's cool, but like, what do you actually want to do? Right? Did you did you yeah. see this going this way early? I did actually. Um, and it was, it was kind of one of those things. It was just uh, timing, I guess. Uh, when Les started kind of helping us give lessons, he just got done rodeoing. He headed, and uh, I think he missed the finals by like a thousand bucks. Oh, no way. Or something. You know, one of those stories. Right. And he came home. And Bitter and broke. His truck was, <laughs> yeah, his truck yep. was broke yep. down. His but yep. tires were bald. His horse was yep. crippled, and he had no money. You know, one I of wanna, those stories. I want to. I want to suggest <laughs> that the Justin Cowboy Crisis Fund, for all the good they do, might want to <laughs> yeah. consider like number sixteen through maybe twenty, and yep. just give those guys a little help too, because it yep. is every year. Yep. There's four or five guys that just just yep. miss just it, miss and, it, and like walk yep. home. Yep, exactly. And and so it was just one of those times, and I kind of obviously seen that right off the bat, mm-hmm. and and so knew I wanted to rope and I wanted to ride horses, but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to be like that. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. Nobody wants that. And yeah. and and to finish that close to making them means yep. that you were out there all oh, yeah. year. Yep. You didn't see your family. You missed birthdays. You drove when you wanted to be sleeping. Like, yep. exactly. For a year. I mean, yep. that is a long... Big sacrifice. It, yeah. And that's one year of your life you never get back yep. to have just missed it. And then really, honestly, walk home with yep. nothing. You walk yep. in the door and it's like... They got what I had. Yeah. I, it, the fact that anybody rodeos, to be honest, the fact yeah. that anybody other than five, yeah, five or eight guys in each event, yeah, it's it's a wonder that, yeah, yeah, yeah they do it for the love, you know, yeah, they do it for the love of the sport. Because I mean, like I said, I I train horses because I love to do it, and they rodeo because they love to do it. Sure, you know, they'll do whatever, whatever it takes. So. Yeah, yeah, and and I I mean. I did. I get it. I rodeoed enough to know like what it's like to be broke and to, oh, yeah. like what am I doing with my life and all mm-hmm. that self doubt. But when it goes good, yep, yeah, there's just there's nothing like it. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things too. I think it's everybody wants that that story that you know you're right there and then you had you right out of it a thousand. Boom, you made it. You're in. Yeah, and then right. all of a sudden it just rolls yeah. from there. The you know, year, the whole year um, hinges on just such small little details. Yep, exactly. And yeah. so knowing that you didn't want to go rodeo for a living, yep. like you, what age, what age are you when you start like aiming your focus towards training horses? I mean, like I said, really right then. Um, so less. How, how old were you at that point? 13, 14, freshman. Oh, wow. In, freshman in high early. school. Early. Yeah, early. And like I said, I didn't have trained rope horses to start roping on. I had some ranch yeah. horses. So in and, a sense, you kind of already were a horse trainer yeah. at that point. So like I had to train the horses as we learned to rope, you know, which takes yeah. way, way yeah. longer to do. Very not recommended if Very you have not the option. Recommended. It takes way longer. <laughs> um, and at the same time, less. So he quit rodeoing and then he started getting into the AQHA shows. Um, and so then I kind of just piggybacked on that since he was going and I went and showed him the youth and 
and stuff, and then it just kind of built from there. Yeah. And and I think there's I didn't high school rodeo, I didn't junior rodeo, so I think it built a different mentality. You didn't do any of that in my brain. I didn't know. Really? Yeah. Was there any regret about that? Like looking back now, do you wish you'd have made it any kind of a priority, or are you happy with? Not really. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Screw you those know, guys. <laughs> yeah, and it, honestly, it's just a different crowd. You know, yeah. there's a there's just a whole nother crowd it is. on the, on yeah. the whole new social circuit circle. too. You know, yeah. and and you make just as many friends and, and do just right. as many things. And, and all the kids at high school rodeoed and, and did everything else. Shoot, I knew them good from jackpots and everything right. else, you know. Um, we had a, I had a choice to uh, to high school rodeo or go to the AQHA shows. And yeah. and so Les was kind of going to AQHA, and so we kind of just leaned that way. Perfect. Um, I still had a cow horse at that time, so I was still kind of dabbling in the, in the cow horse. How much of that do you think now – as far as making rope horses, how much of that did you, like how much of your foundation do you still look back and go, man, cow horse was the I think that's all of it, you know? I think that's all of it. Cause I so many things that I do every day and probably stuff I don't even think about that I'm doing, you know, comes from that. Yeah. And that kind yeah, of foundation the instincts, early. The instincts that you develop. Yeah, that foundation early on, you know? Um, so I think pretty much all of it. You what know? was your first outside horse? Do you remember? I'm probably gonna go on a limb and probably stay. It was probably like a two-year-old Andalusian stallion or something like that. It was, <laughs> was it like a? Like obviously, I, you're having to try to remember, but it yeah. wasn't like a big banner moment of like, oh my gosh, I got my first client. You know, no. So I, uh, I worked through let for less throughout when I was 19, I believe, and then. Uh, How old are you I now? Uh, 30, gonna be 37 this yep. year. Gotcha. And uh, so I took a year off. I was pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> took a year off and kind of. Figured out what I was going to do after that. What did you do that year and took the year off? Went to Quest at junior college. Okay. And just hung out down there in San Luis for yep. six, seven months. Did you get anything out of it? No. No. <laughs> I just hung out. <laughs> I didn't go to class very Took much. And, <laughs> yeah. Went jackpotted a lot and right. hung out with friends and stuff. And just, yeah, just kind of took it easy and then kind of had decided to have enough of that and just came home and started, started training and uh, kind of, we had a ranch there, so I just kind of built, started building on that and we had yeah. a ring in there and stuff so uh kind of just put flyers up and and i think i had 12 horses the first month that really? i started so no, and, I mean, that's pretty good yeah right so mm. yeah and i think everyone the oldest one was probably three every and i'm not kidding <laughs> they were andalusian arabs drafts send them morgans. Off. there's a lot of morgans in my area really who would have known but uh so once upon a time if somebody came to andy holcomb performance horses it would have looked you like the trail ride <laughs> you unloaded in downtown san francisco <laughs> <laughs> yeah you unloaded and i'll ride it yeah we had we had a menagerie of everything you did could you imagine. have anybody helping you not back then no that's <laughs> doing it i did have a uh, so i'm really good friends with justin wright okay high school horses right. so he grew up three miles up four miles up the road from me um and we're the same age he's my best friend and so we were always riding together and stuff and and so if there was anything that was tough or, or bad, we'd always snub them, help, up, yeah, snub them up and help each other out. So. Was there ever a moment? Because if you're going to make a guy. We're about to introduce you to the companies that make this podcast possible. You guys check out LoneStar.tv. It's a church that speaks your language, can be attended from anywhere. Randy and Darla have a personal mission to make people that are unable to attend geographically still feel like they're a part of the the core group of what happens at Lone Star Cowboy Church. It's the most successful cowboy church in the nation. Huge vision, huge mission, great at loving people, doing a fantastic job with their online audience. If you guys can, check it out at LoneStar.tv. You guys, we're all trying to figure out a way to make our feed more efficient. 
We're never gonna see the price of hay drop to what we want to spend. So what we do is we make our feed more efficient and that is exactly what's happening at Midwest Agra. Beet pulp pellets are making a difference in the way that we feed, the way that our horses perform. It's a super fiber, it's cheap, it's available. Check them out, Midwest Agra. Was there ever a moment, cause if you're gonna make a guy quit, you just gave the recipe. Like that is the recipe for how to take a young guy yep. and make him want to quit training horses. Right. So was yep. there ever is there ever a point in that where you're like, I don't think I'm doing the right thing with my life? You know, I think I looked at it at those horses as a different point of view. You know, you get you get like the the quarter horses and the people that have high, high expectations for these horses sure. and, and they need to get trained and they need to drag their butt and spin around and watch a cow and and rope these for charities and win. Those horses I had back then. I needed to saddle them at the tack room, step on them, and walk, trot, lope each way. And sure. the people were so ecstatic. Yeah. If I could swing a rope and go for a trail ride, I mean, they were over the moon. It was a bonus, yeah. So it was, it was just expectations. So I think at a point, I, like I said, we didn't, I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So those were just, those were easy money. Right. You know, right. It, it was. Yeah, the basics. You're getting yeah, paid to do just, the basics. Yeah, we're just getting paid to do basics, and people were just ecstatic. Were there horses that, in that, that you were sending home, or did you have to say yes to everything? I said yes to everything, for sure. <laughs> yeah. As long as it wasn't going to kill me, I said yes. Did you ever sure. have times where you're like, no, no, this is... Not this for tough. a long time. Yeah, not for a long time. Uh, Justin, right, uh, his dad, Walter, was... Uh, he uh, he had a lot of tricks of the trade Yeah. Uh, of getting by bad horses and stuff. And so if I had anything that was real bad, I would take him up there, and, and, uh, Good to have and he'd help me kind of get through to him. Do you remember, so. I'm, just, I'm just curious, because, you know, riding outside horses now, you know, I've got some of my own, and there are times where, like, for the first week, I tell everybody, don't, for the, honestly, for the first 30 days, the bar is very low, because mm-hmm. I want to go slow. I want to make sure that we've got, like, a very, very, very solid foundation for the first 30 days, and people, yep. to this point, have been very understanding. They've been great. Yep. But in that 30 days, every now and then you have a horse where you're just like, I don't know, man, I, oh, yeah. I don't know. So having gone through that, what's your what's I've gotten, your process i've gotten very honest in, in my in my old age now that uh and i'll a lot most horses i'll do a one or two week trial yeah and uh see if they'll come out of it and, and i'll just you know kind of just go at them head on you know yeah. and, and really see what we got see what they're like and and then make a judgment call from there Is and that, i think the owners appreciate it too because you can really you know get a base for the horses at you know be real honest with the owner yeah. this is what i can do with the horse right. if that works for them and and their timeline and their budget right then it then it works out and and then if it doesn't it's it's okay well, at least you, they're at least, not a bunch of money into it right well at least you've given them the chance like hey because yep. i've had people that i've called and i've said hey i want you to know i do not anticipate this being a quick turnaround Yep. Maybe with somebody else. Maybe with more skilled people. Maybe there's somebody out there that would just make this sucker amazing quick. But I, that's not the trajectory we're on. And like you said, you give them a choice, and they go, "No, it's fine." Uh, I think almost everybody I've ever talked to about that said, "No, that's fine. That's all right. We'd rather go slow. Make sure we got something." And yep. Um, does ever hurt? And I think that's definitely a deal that's come on more in the last few years. I feel like. Well, if you've got a problem horse that's going to take three hours a day, yeah. it's cutting into your time on all the other ones that are trying to get better. Yep. You know, you're dedicating yep. three or four horses worth of time to one. You're not getting paid extra for that one. Nope. And you're putting yourself in harm's way because it's not like, you know, yep. not everyone wants to do it. Definitely. Definitely. And I think, like I said, I think owners too, I think have definitely come around a little bit more to that fact too. And maybe it's just a different, different type of owners too, you know, early yeah. on they wanted 30, 60 days and, and done, you know? Yeah. Um, versus now horses are coming in a little more long-term 
Yeah. Um, and I think the fraternities have definitely helped that, you know? Let me ask you something. And I, not to indict anybody, it's not for the purpose of being controversial at all, but when you look at an AQHA show now, mm-hmm. what they're looking for in a team roping horse is so significantly different than what they're looking at in the fraternities. Mm-hmm. It's like you're asking somebody to almost train, and, I, and I'm, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm telling you what I, I'm just observing. I want to hear your perspective. Yeah. It almost feels like to me you're having to train two different kinds of horses. No, definitely. And I think that's kind of why I don't go to a lot of quarter horse shows anymore, too, is because quarter horse shows are really, you know, they're looking for the old school. Slide in the corner. 50s. Yeah. Team roping. Right. You know, you right. watch videos from, from a long time ago. There's big older steers. People ran in kind of a little bit closer and narrower behind. They got a hold real yep. straight, like almost steer stopped them. Right. And then they ducked their horse out of there and got that steer like pulling straight over their it. back. Yeah, right. And, and then they're pulling straight over that horse's back so they can't swap their butt around. They got to stop and, and, right. and their front end has to come around. Right. So they pretty much just cleaned up that. Just refined with, that run. They refined yeah. that run with, you know, the the talented horses that are out there now into, you know, maybe stepping just a hair wider, but, but getting that slide in the corner and, and not worrying about the handle and just going out of there and, and kind of running to the end of it and on the horse almost kind of sliding and then facing yeah. on their, with their front end. And, and yeah, it's a, it's definitely a hard deal to transition into the, to the, Rope horse or in yeah. jackpots anywhere. Well, you know, not going to have, to me, in my guess, you're not going to have a lot of run and bred horses no. completing that head and run. Definitely not. Two different things, right? Definitely. So if the AQHA was able to somehow sort of reimagine what they want out of their head horses, would that, yeah. do, you, do you think you'd see more crossover where the horses Definitely. like the. I think you'd like see a lot more. The Register America type quarter horses, like that's great. But all that tells me is he was good at doing a 1950s head and run. Yep. Versus, um, hey, this is what team roping is, and the Quarter Horse Association wants to participate with that. Oh, yeah. Um, was this something you would do more of if it was more probably. congruent? Yeah, probably. And it would probably still be going a little bit more, you know. I mean, there's, I don't think there's one in California anymore that team ropes. Really? And if there is, it gets maybe five entries. No kidding. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, back, back when I was still showing, I can't remember what year it would be, but, but shoot, 10, 15 years ago. Old. <laughs> Makes me feel old when we start talking about 15 right. years ago. Right, no, I know. It's a- but, uh, shoot, it was, even back then, um, you know, there was only maybe three of us in California that would go to the, the shows for roping right. and rope, and, uh, and yeah, we'd get 10 in a class. So how, I mean, know? I don't even know if anybody's going to listen to this of any consequence, but... I mean, team roping, when you look at what it's done for the sport of team roping, or for the what the sport of team roping has done for the AQHA. Oh, yeah. I would be so curious if they wouldn't have some interest in saying, like, hey, we want to participate in a meaningful way, like to get our oh, yeah. to get our crap together, to try to participate in what we see happen in the team roping world. Because to me, it seems like the maturities have just yeah, they've taken wiped over. the AQHA off the mound. Yeah, they really, they really have. They've taken over. And I, and I think that the guys that have a really good AQHA following and a good, you know, basis of clients – are kind of are staying with them and still yeah. going, you know. Um, but the other thing is, the AQHAs don't pay money, you know. They just don't at, pay. at little events you get points to qualify to go to the to Oklahoma. It does not pay money. Finals. And then at the finals, it pays ten or fifteen thousand to win it, and then which is good. But I mean, that pays at Rancho Rio on a Tuesday. Yes, exactly. So the I think the payouts driving a lot of the ropers away. Well, I mean, we know how ropers are. Yeah, we want to rope for some money. 
For sure. And so it's going to cost you money to get there. Yes. So and why? So for, I mean, if, if you, we're going to have a horse in training for, you know, all of its three-year-old years, so it can keep, compete its four-year-old year. Yeah. They got a lot of money in that horse already. They don't want right. to just go get points anymore. Right. You know, my clients. Like right. I said, right. a lot of people have that client base still. Well, and but, I think I think that there's some stud owners. I know a couple stud owners that have said it's, it's to their benefit <laughs> if they can say register merit, whatever. I, yep. I still think that's a hanging on. I still think that's a little bit of a hangover. I don't know that that means quite as much anymore <laughs> as it used to. I don't know that if it's quite as much of an achievement. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it is and it isn't because, I mean, any – any title on on a horse means it did something you know yeah. it wasn't at the house right eating right you know it, it was out there competing doing something right. and, and won at some kind of level and uh, and even look at like brazil like i can't remember they had i think to for brazil to get a horse shipped back there they had to have won they have had to have their superior i believe oh really so and there's some qualifications or, on what can yeah get. or won so much money really so so that was a big drive early on too for, Which for is showing brilliant. stuff and probably still, you know, yeah, yeah they're not gonna, just going to ship any horse over there. They're going right. to ship something that's that's been proven a little bit. And then they freaking did too, because I mean, they oh. just went to going crazy. They oh, were like, yeah. they were like Teton Ridge of the quarter horses back before <laughs> right? Teton Ridge, right? Which is good yep. if you had a stud yeah, which they is liked. Great. Yeah. So you watch videos from the horses down there in Brazil, and they're yeah, they're incredible. I watched. I've got like on Instagram and stuff. You'll see team roping videos and stuff. But one of my buddies is Daniel Lopez from from down there. He's mm -hmm. one of the big calf roping horse trainers. He was in the U.S. Is how we got to be buds. He was staying with Fred Warnick. But like you watch the horses that guy rides in Brazil. Hey, I'm telling you what. Like yeah. they would work, and they've shipped oh, yeah. some horses up from Brazil. The horse that Corey Solomon, the bay that Corey Solomon oh, rode. Oh really? Okay. Um, there was a black horse that Blair Burke rode at the finals, kind of back in the day. That was Fred's horse. Like yep. they did. Yep. You know, they had a. I guess I guess they had a, a plan and it seemed to work because nice yeah doing some good things out of the horses coming back this way definitely yeah so sorry I got sidetracked so I'm gonna go back you're riding Andalusians <laughs> what's that what is what is an Andalusian like to be around oh uh, pretty ignorant yeah <laughs> <laughs> all over the top of you and just just rude rude and yeah they're probably supposed to be smooth but they're just feet are going every which way all the time and you can bend their head around like all the way to your leg and they go Still the other going. way what are they what were they designed for do you know Oof, like when know. they're good at something what is it i don't know <laughs> fighting bulls i guess <laughs> they do yeah they do like the the yeah, they do that bullfighting and stuff like that and, i yeah, think that would make sense you want to get on a horse that you're like i got killed by a bull oh well <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what but about what i mean the morgans <clears throat> things like that was that were they easier yeah, they're easier. And so many of those off-breeds, you know, they're they're not so developed, like, in their hindquarters and strong. Yeah. And so they, they didn't have as much power, like, you know, starting cold. Right. They didn't buck right. as much. They didn't right. buck as hard, I guess I should yeah. say. Like, they weren't we're gonna get They you were to way buy less prone to bucking and running off just because of their build, I think. They weren't they weren't made to have the power yeah. that a quarter horse right. has, you know, right. in the hind end. And so, or they are athletic enough to stay up when they're bucking, because that would be my concern, <laughs> yeah. is that they'll fall down. Yeah, you know, no, they're pretty good. They yeah, the only ones that were tough were the warm bloods. Okay, I'm listening. I, yeah. I know nothing about warm bloods. What, warm what was bloods, that like? Pretty, oh, they were real bad. Real warm bloods were bad, too, because they don't start them until they're, like, four. Oh, no. They're so they're so full-grown horses, then. Yeah, they're full-grown, because they're so... Um, they're so big. I mean, they're 17 hands tall or bigger, oh you know, my gosh. and uh, their their joints don't mature as early as as a lot of horses. So they hold and off. And so they them. hold off till till they're later to get working them. Walk and, me uh, through. Tell me a story <laughs> about saddling a 17 hand warm blood. What is that even like? It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's real hard. And like I said, they're just 
yeah, they're ignorant too. They're just, you know, they've been handled too much and not, not good. And they run over the top of you and no respect. And yeah, it's so tough. So I think and about, you know, like a two year old kid. I got a funny story for you. Go. I had one that uh, showed up and it was huge. Huge, like maybe 18 hands. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and it's, and a lot of these horses like that, they don't tie them up. So they've never been tied up to a fence. They've never been cross-tied, tied up, nothing. You know, they, they're in a pen, they lead them out to do whatever, then they put them back. They never tie them up. They never, you know, make them stand still. And nothing like that. So No discipline. No discipline. So we, I get him out and I work him in the, this one in the round pen a little bit. And I think I get a saddle on him and, and uh, and like I said, they don't. They kind of hump around, but they don't buck. They're they're so long and uncoordinated. Yeah. Like it's, it's like saddle on When they get older, I think they come together more and coordinated because they use them for jumping and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Uh, but uh, so then I tie it up to the fence, and it's a fairly tall fence. And uh, I walk up to the barn, and I'm getting another horse out, and uh, I look down. And it's pulling back, normal. No problem. No problem. And so I kind of get saddle on the other horse, and and I look down there. It pulls back. And it leaps over the fence, tied up still. No way. Goes, just clears over. the fence, tied up, so then it just whips <laughs> it down, gets up, keeps pulling back. Can you imagine, we'll pause, can you imagine the stupidity of an animal yeah. to jump over a fence not knowing what it's going to land in yeah. and full send, full commitment, yeah. I'm jumping over the fence and we'll see yeah. what happens. So then, so then it jumps over, it lands, flops on the ground, gets up, pulls back again, I kind of start walking down there to minimize the wreck. <laughs> and uh, sucker pulls back and jumps back over the fence. <laughs> flops on the ground again. <laughs> so if you hadn't seen it, you wouldn't even know what had happened. No, no. He would have been back on the other side, just maybe a little scraped up and, and dirty. He look, would have looked like he laid down or something. And I, I just could not believe it. And Which that, is kind of scary because you're about to get on him. Right. Then now he knows ride, he can do it. Then we're going to ride it. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and usually, I mean, I, I always took my time on definitely on ones like that and made sure I wasn't <laughs> going to die. So how do you know? I really, I guess what I'm admitting in saying this is I really don't know hardly anything about horses. I just know about the horses that we mess with, right? But, mm. like, what do you, how do you know it's ready for them to go back and go to their career? Like, if somebody brings you a warm blood, what do they want when they come back and pick it up? Like I said, I don't ride those horses anymore. No, but, no, no. To be clear, but, right. I'm yeah. saying that when you were doing that, what was your... what was your? Honestly, I was so desperate back then, it didn't matter. It, whatever. <laughs> when they come over and said it looked good and they're going to take it home, that's when they went home. That was the time. It could have been 30 days. It could have been 45. It could have been 90 days. Do you know what they were doing with them after? Yeah, a lot of uh, dressage, equitation. There's a few barns kind of around me that were doing that stuff. Goodness. Yeah. It, it's yeah. so, I mean, Different to world. say that, I mean, there's paying your dues and then there's warm bloods jumping over <laughs> out of your round pins. That's, yeah. that's a whole new level. Right. How far into it were you before you said like, okay, I'm just going to do just rope horses. At what point are you just rope horses now? Uh, yes. Now. You don't ride any yeah. of the cow horses stuff now? No, no. I kind of quit cow horses quite a few years back just cause everything's so each event's so, um, so tough, so specialized, specialized yeah. you know, that, that you, it's really hard to dabble into and be halfway in and halfway out. You yeah. know, you need, if you're going to go in one, you need to be all in. Well, that was and, Jake. I sat with Jake Telford at the fraternity this weekend and I was asking him why I didn't have a heel horse in exactly that. He's like, man, it's just not fun when you feel yeah. like you're just kind of toying with it yep. and you don't feel like you're at the level you want to be at. And obviously like he's making a living, pretty good living doing what he's doing Definitely. with the cow horse still, but yep. Um, it does, I, I guess it makes sense. It does start to deplete 
how high you can go in either one of them when you're yep, doing both. Exactly. Yeah, and you just don't have the program for it, you know. Um, when I kind of quit training, got away from the two-year-olds and kind of really got, got in more three-and-up aged horses that were riding and stuff, um, it got really hard to get two-year-olds started. Yeah. You know, when right. I got a bunch of riding horses right here to get on and go, yeah. I got this two-year-old that hadn't been saddled yet, you know, to really get the time and to take the time and get in the round pen and do the do the proper groundwork right. and, and come along with them. You know, it was it was really hard to, to make that work. And and I was lucky and got some good help um, in the last few years that they could do, they could take over those, you right. know. Who do you have working for you now? Um, right now, so I just had a, um, a couple three two i guess kids that worked for me for like three or four years um and they both uh finished up last year gotcha. after uh, after october and so i got a new set of kids in this year um, which is in and love itself is kind of like having two-year-olds around right like <laughs> yeah getting them trained to train up. people yep getting them trained up and and it actually worked out good because i'm a little slower during the winters yep. and so uh the two kids they came in they were slow at home and wanted to get out of the cold weather so they they came early this winter and uh the one kid, Logan Anstead, he comes from a ranching family in uh, uh, Oregon, Paisley. That's Qu- is that Quentin Anstead's Yeah, that's family? his brother. Yep. That's I would a, say little brother, but he's, but he's like, yeah. I don't, I don't know him. I know Quentin just a little bit from being oh, around, yeah. just mutual friends and stuff. But that's a yep. cowboy family. Yeah, cowboy family. Yeah. Yeah, cowboy family. Yeah, and I got, actually, I got, was at a sale in uh, Elko, Nevada, and we got talking to uh, Quentin. He had a horse there, too. And I got talking to him just about needing somebody to work and stuff, and kind of toward the end of last year and uh and so he kind of mentioned his brother and he ended up calling his brother and talking about it and perfect he was all into it so yeah I got so they're doing the two-year-old deal now no so so i think quentin has done a lot of two-year-old work and stuff and and logan hadn't done quite as much um and then i got another kid talon petska that came just came to work also is he in relation to the other petskas uh no no just- relations Happens but, to be in the training business. Yep, yep, happened to be in the training <laughs> business, yep. And he came from another trailer trainer in, in uh, Texas. Gotcha. And so he's pretty he's pretty savvy to the training program of, you know, barns and showing and stuff. And, right. And then I got a couple uh, local girls that help come over and saddle and lope and stuff. And Realistically, how many horses? Because I, I heard a <laughs> podcast maybe with Cade Rice. I'm trying to remember where I heard him say I know it was Cade, and I know he said it. I can't remember what platform it was. Maybe I read an article or something. But he was trying to remember how many horses he had, and it was somewhere in the 30s, something like that. Mm-hmm. How does a guy that's training rope horses consistently keep up with that many horses and feel like that they're keeping? Because I know people do. I'm yep. not saying it can't be done. I, right. I know that it can. But how does a guy organize his month to where January 1st to January 31st, every one of those horses has seen progress? Yep. I think that that's just building a program, you know, over just years and years and good help and just, you know, Having a system that allows for yeah, it. having a system that really kind of allows you to, to to maximize each each horse out and and what the owner needs really you know yeah um, right. not not every owner needs their horse to uh, you know be able to run one down at Salinas or yeah or no that's a, a and that's a good that's a good point and, like, uh, you know up until the last couple of years by uh, my main clientele or even now really my main clientele was the local jackpot crowd uh-huh. from around there yep and they're gonna go to three for thirties around there with the seahorns around the end of the gate and right. maybe a world series eight or nine roping. Right. You know? Yeah. Something so, safe, something so, broke. So those horses need to be yeah, safe, broke, easy to rope on. And then it's also one of those deals. I kind of put in my program a little bit too, which I kind of learned from my, my wife and my father-in-law, mother-in-law is 
not just putting everybody on the horses, but having other people ride the horses a little bit once you I, get I, to a certain level. I listen. I completely one thousand percent agree. And when people go, "Well, I sent my horse, and I don't think oh. he actually got on him," I think I'm he paying had Jordan Weaver to ride. Yeah, I'm Jordan like, hold Weaver. on, time out. Yeah. We had a horse from the Ros, is a blue stud that we took to the maturity this week mm -hmm. uh, over there that worked good. He'd had 45 days of healing. Really? He just a natural. He's a phenomenal stud. They yep. did a good job. They cow horsed him. Like he he'd been around. He's broke, right? Yep. But and I told Jed this. I said I probably got on that horse. I bet I got on him myself six times. But every time Colton, kids working for me, was on him, I was helping yep. every step along the way. And if there was something that I couldn't explain to Colton, like I, there was almost more of a feel, yep. that's when I'd get on the horse. Like, hang on, let me jump on for a minute. I would feel what he's doing, then I could get back off, and I'm riding the horse that I'm riding, and I'm able to kind of walk him through what to do. And Col to Colton's credit, did a great job. Yep. Had I rode that horse myself every single day, there would have been zero difference in the results. I can guarantee you there was nothing I was going to get that horse doing by being on him for yep. the speed that we were going. We're open slow cattle. That horse wants to be a little strong. For that horse, and this is what I told Jed, I'm like, I have zero, zero hesitation saying yep. that Colton, the kid that works for me, did a majority of the heavy lifting. Yep. There are other horses I think that I need to be on for specifically, but more. Yeah. But I, I think that's up to the guy that's <clears throat> heading up the program. This yep, says exactly. my goal is this horse shows significant improvement. I put more into him than you paid me for the month. That's my goal. Yep. You know, whatever you pay me that I want to put at least that much into him at the end of that month yep. by whatever program we see that oh, yeah. will allow that. Yep. So and so I just want to go on record. If anybody's like, well I'm paying so like no. Yep. You don't get to dictate. Yeah. I, I mean I think it's a growing pain, though, too, in someone's program that they get to the point where they could say that. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Because, I right. mean, early on, like, you're taking whatever you want, whatever you can. And, right. And, you know, it's maybe a one-man show or you do have some help, you know. Right. Um, and, and it always depends how, how good your help is, too, you know. Well, well for so, sure. Like, if you've got a guy that really doesn't have good hands or isn't able to complete what you're asking him to do, yeah. you have a responsibility to go, I'm responsible you, to the owner. Yes. I have to do a good job. I have to yep, do that myself. Exactly. So yeah, you got. I think the at a certain point, the owner has to have trust in you and your program yeah. to say that okay, I, I am going to put something else, somebody else on this horse. Yeah. But if it's not a good fit, if it's not going in the right direction, I take accountability. I'm, pull, I'm taking accountability. I'm pulling that horse, yeah. you know, away from him, and and I'm going to get it back, or you know, someone else is going to get on it that yeah. that can do the job. Well, and I think Correct. that's. I think that is an evolution that his is necessary it's really important mm -hmm. because you can't limit andy holcomb you know clay logan Cade rice kale driggers whoever whoever it may be you cannot expect that that person is going to limit his business down to how many horses he can ride by himself that month mm -hmm. you're not going to get you, like you're not going to get a horse to that guy if that's how you're asking him to do his work the problem is you'd have to charge so much thank and nobody you. would do it thank you but if you trust, like, hey, when I get this horse back, I'm getting back a better product than yeah. I had anticipated. And your machine, you know, you're the you're the you're the sawmill, right? I'm yeah. gonna send you a tree. And when I get it back, it's gonna be a two by four. And I'm just gonna trust that whatever mechanism goes on there behind closed doors, yep. if I'm consistently getting back a better product yep. than I had anticipated or hoped for, I, I think that's a fair I think that's a fair transaction. Definitely. Yep, definitely. So that makes sense. That's how you get through, you know, because like yep. we've got, I've got Colton that works for me. I've got a guy named Radar working for me right now. He's yep. new. Shout out Radar. But nice. uh, he has been showing up clean stalls and then we'll put him. There's certain horses that are just there to stay exercised or maybe get roped on a little bit and just yep. to kind of see what he's doing. So we're right now, we're able to ride three at a time. Oh, yeah. And 
last two days, I got to go to my son's football practice this week. Oh, yeah. uh, I got to go to a dinner the other night. Like I get, yeah. it, it's a better for me. It's a better crew. I'm gonna yeah. stay in this business longer. Yep. If I'm not having to go 16 hour days every single day killing myself. Yep. Not that I'm some sort of a prize. Yep. But then if that's the case. Then with people that are the very best guys in the business, that's how you keep them in the business, and that's how you keep those guys working for you. Is working for you, yeah, Trusting exactly. that they're going to do a good job. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's it's one of those things, too. It's really good to see other people's programs and sure. take a little bit from other people's programs. Right. Horsemanship, everything, you yeah. know. Um, I came from Les, and when I worked for Les, it was six days a week, and I was in charge of feeding on Sundays, you know. And that's a lot. Yeah, so technically that's seven. A lot. Yeah, that's a lot consistently. And not that I couldn't sneak away and, and go see my family or go right. to a jackpot on the weekend or something, you know, but but it's a lot. If you're home, that was the expectation. And, so, yeah. and he's a beast. Like, Les, six days a week, he's there. He's a worker. You know, and shoot, Sunday, he's probably out there fixing something. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's an animal. But I kind of learned a lot from that, that, like, that would that pace would burn me out. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't feel like it was fair to the horse to go six days a week just pound right. on him six days a right. week take all the fun out of it i found me. that me and the horse go five days a week have the weekend off yeah everybody comes back in a in a good mind frame yeah nobody's sore right me or the horse right you get a real poor sore and all of a sudden they start looking for ways to get away from it instead of doing it the right yeah. way yeah leaning they start, they start leaning out instead yeah. of leaning in yeah, yeah exactly and so uh and so I've really tried to kind of embrace that part of, yes, we're riding five days a week, but also that weekend off really gives them a break. Yeah. And lets their mind come back, lets their body rest and mind. Yeah, right. And so everybody can come back the next week and be real open-minded and not well, no chips on anybody's shoulders about, Yeah. you know. My grandpa grew up during the Depression. And so he becomes a workaholic, right? Like work, 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 work. That was the generation, like the greatest generation in history, right? Yep. But I think we are now, like I'm 40, you being 37, I think our generation is now starting to say words like sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, burnout wasn't a thing. If you told my grandpa you're a burnout, <laughs> well, I can't even imagine what his response would be. Right. But if I want to do this long term, if I want to be in this business long term, and I'm trying to always, you know, upgrade the kind of horses I'm able to ride, I'm curious if that conversation doesn't start to happen more and more where somebody goes, I can tell you what I can do. Yep. I can tell you what I can't do, but then I'll tell you what I won't do. And the won't do, that's that's new. Yep. Right? Because seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year might be okay. Yep. But I believe, I really do believe this. You're going to slowly, gradually start operating at such a diminished scale yep. that you're better. A guy is going to do a better job yep. stopping, taking a break. Exactly. You have a day where you're like, man, it's not today. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that today. I'm just not going to get in that today. Yeah. So that when I get back tomorrow, I don't feel like I'm just carrying that weight. I, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm glad that there are people that are willing to start admit. Oh yeah. To admit, like I'm going to take the weekends off. Yep. If horse needs a day off, I'm going to give him the day off. Yep. I'm just gonna. It's a 30 day cycle. Yep. You don't pay me per ride. Per ride. Yeah. This exactly. is not a per ride thing. Yep. This is at the end of 30 days. You tell me if this horse is significantly better than when he got here by yep. whatever means. Yep. Because and and I've heard other people say it. I won't name names in case they don't want it out. I don't know, but. <laughs> You send him home, the guy that's working a job that's paying you to ride this horse, oh, yeah. that guy's not getting on him six days a week. Oh, yeah. So if I'm on him six days a week just riding him into the ground every day, yep. I, he might look a certain way when you get him back. Yeah. You give him three or four days off from your job and you come get on him, I really don't know what to tell you to expect. Yep. You don't know what kind of horse you're going to get back. And that, 
Yeah. Those are the kind of things a guy's got to at least consider. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. he's got to at least be thinking about it. Yep, definitely. No, that's a – and I think that's a constant battle. Every horse trainer fights, you know, on horses that go back to trainers like that. Yeah. Is it's – yeah, it's definitely – Nothing new. It's well, it's, I, and I, I, I hate that I have worry. I, I worry about stuff like well, that I shouldn't. I really, and I think I really, my, my goal is to get better. I want to get better. I want to be a healthier person in that regard. But I always just imagine worst case scenario. Like I've had older yeah. people bring me horses and they just got like all their hopes and dreams yeah. hinging on this horse. And like, oh, yeah. you send them home and all you can imagine <laughs> is this poor old guy like dragging by his foot through the wash <laughs> and it's your fault. And like, oh, I just, yeah. I, the anxiety that comes with wanting to do a good job. Yep. But realistically, yeah. It's a horse business. Yeah, you can only control what you can. Yeah. Well, and, and, sure. and they're just, they're horses. I'm not yep. sending you a car. If it was a car, yep. I could tell you with certainty, like, this is the mechanics and this is how it works. Yeah. you got something that's got its own mind. It's like, oh, yeah. I'll do the best I can, and I hope I hope that I'm still improving in that regard of how to send horses that stay good oh, after yeah. they're gone. Yep. What was the, so I asked earlier, and I didn't, I think I probably interrupted you, but how long ago did you decide, like, this is it, I'm just going to rope horses? Ooh, quite a few years, probably 10 years, I'm thinking. Was it really a, when I stopped going to the AQHA shows is when I kind of did it. Yeah. Um, I showed a couple snap bitters early on, and then I had, uh, and then just a couple bright horses when I was going to AQHA shows, and I had a couple non-pros that I was helping and stuff. And just decided, and, that's it? I'm yeah, like I said, they just weren't weren't enough around, weren't, weren't the roping, weren't enough clients to really make it feasible to, to leave for a quarter horse show and be gone for a week. Yeah. And you're not winning any money. So yeah, that means right. the clients are paying for it. And if you don't have very many clients, yeah. they're not going to cover right. all the other potential yeah, clients. Yeah, the boarding, boarding yep. fees of keeping one there. Yep, exactly. And that was just so much time away from the other horses, you know. It just didn't make sense. Join me as I take you on a tour of our advertisers. In 2014, we launched the 1017 Project, an idea that could give value to roped-out rope and steers and protein to people in need. Since then... We have donated hundreds of thousands of pounds of hamburger to food banks, after-school programs, women's shelters. Last year, the 1017 Project gave away $699,000 worth of hamburger to the people who needed it the most. You can get involved by going to the 1017project.com. If you're going to attend an event in Arizona, check out ropingcalendar.com. It is the most comprehensive list of everything that's going on in Arizona. You can search by a date, arena. You can even search by jackpot number. You can look for only the jackpot numbers that you're looking for at ropingcalendar.com. It's available in Google, iTunes, anywhere that you get your electronic apps. It's there. Check it out. Ropingcalendar.com. You know, it just didn't make sense at some point. Was there a day that you remember going like, okay, I'm calling all the cowers people or was it just gradually as, it was as horses would go home? It was gradually. Yeah, it was gradually. We kind of bored quite a few, not quite a few, but a few horses there at the place too. And those a lot of those cowers people were, were boarding there. And so they were still around. And I might have helped them, you know, yeah. gave them lessons and stuff still. And they just went to the shows by themselves or, yeah. or with another trainer. And then gradually they just kind of got in with the other trainers that kept them full time. Right. You were talking about your wife and their background. What was their horse background? I uh, grew up roping. Uh, her, her dad, Monty, and, and Chris, they, uh, they roped last, early What's on. her last name? Monty and Chris what? Avery. Avery. Yep. They, they roped a lot. A lot, a lot when they were younger. Yep. And 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 for a long, long time, I uh, went to rodeo. Shoot, Chris, her mom roped at the Salinas rodeo. You bet. Tied cows like she was, really. She was rank. Yeah. She's a cowgirl. Yeah, cowgirl. And uh, and then so she just she grew up in the team roping, and the rodeo and stuff. How much of an advantage has that been to marry somebody that's got the same oh, kind huge. of background? Yeah, huge. 
Yep, huge. And it's, like you said, yeah, we have so much in common. She, to this day, she loves going to the maturities and sitting there all day and yeah. watching every single run. She'll go in the stand and sit there and watch and, and uh, video, you know, every run that I make. And Heck yeah. she'll even video Trevor and Ren a little bit so yeah. I can study up, <laughs> so I can take notes. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, is but the yeah, no, it's is, a big difference. Is the competitiveness, to, on that point, is the competitiveness different at a futurity than a rodeo? Because it seems like they're, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm not right here. But it seems like there's more mutual admiration for people and what they're doing and people's programs and their horses. Mm-hmm. It does not feel personally cutthroat in that environment. Yeah. You know, you've got people that you've hired to help. You know, you've got people that it's a team roping. So yeah. as a result, you, you know, there's more camaraderie through that. Oh, yeah. Um, are you seeing that or is it still kind of like this guy took this horse from that guy or, you know, this horse is supposed to go here and end up going there? You know, I definitely don't see it that way. And plus we're kind of over on the, on the West coast. So we don't see too much of that horse, you know, trading around and yeah. clients taking it from one trainer and going to another one. Right. But, uh, but no, I completely see it. And then maybe that's my, my, uh, how I am as a person too. Like I don't see them as, you know, yes, as competition, but not as, as, you know, you know, I'm going to beat him every time and, right. and, and upset if I don't, you know, um, I guess, and I'm even kind of like that at the rodeos too. You know, I kind of always feel like I'm going to make the best run that I can on the steer that I draw. Sure. And, and if it's not enough, then right. I need to go do better, but, but I can't just, you know, I, I remember that from the cutting horse world. I didn't mean to interrupt. I remember that from the cutting horse world is like, because you're bringing horses from unknown into known, Sometimes the guy gets a horse that's just a rock star, and it's like, man, yep. that horse is awesome. And it, I, I don't remember. I wasn't around cutting horses as much, obviously, but I don't remember there being sort of that, like, gosh, dang, how'd that guy keep getting that horse? Where a rodeo one, that horse is already good. Yep. Somebody figure out how to get him, right? Yep. These horses are coming up, and that guy's had a hand in that horse's development, and it seems yep. like there's like a maybe that, man, that guy is such a cool horse. That guy has yep. had good horses coming up over and over again. Like, that guy's program's really working. Oh, yeah. You, I, I just don't – it doesn't feel like the same kind of culture at the rodeos yeah. as it does at the, at the yeah. horse shows. I, I think I, I gradually or, – or, or tend to move toward move the – Move towards that, yeah. yeah. And I think I see it different. You know, those kind of more competitive rodeo guys coming into it, they might see it differently too, you know. Right. Ren and, and Caleb, like, they're, they're fierce competitors. You know what right. I mean? Like, they right. have a different – they kind of have a little more kill mentality, you yeah. know, and, and being kind of with getting rope to rope with Caleb a little bit more, you know, he, uh, I have a tendency to, uh, maybe back off a little bit, come third round if I'm sitting good mm-hmm. where Caleb says, keep pressing them, right. Press right. harder. Right. Your horse is scoring good. You're drawing good. Press right. harder. Don't pull, don't, don't ease up. Right. You know, has that been, up a, a, little has bit that been a help? Do you think he's right? Let me ask you this. I'm not saying, do you think he's right? Is there ever a time where he'll say that and you're like, man, I've been doing this for a little bit. I'm going to go this route because this has been my experience. No, I usually don't think that. I might just do it out of habit and not on purpose, you know? Right. I think there's some little deal in my brain that, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Sounds good. And then just goes and does what you (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to go out this one and steer don't leave quite right. And I just pull one. Right. A point three off the barrier and run them down there, you know, instead of go ahead and just. Yeah. You know, do your deal. Don't worry about being in the barrier right. a little bit more, you know? So I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if I, I don't disagree with them on that. Right. I think that's probably the way it's definitely. It's why they are who they are. Exactly. And I think it's a different mentality of who they're riding for and showing for. 
Okay. Trevor, Rand, Caleb, they're showing their own horses. They're riding for themselves. Or, or right. they're, yeah. you know, or their clients right now. They don't in. have to call and apologize to somebody for breaking a barrier. Or, We're leading it on, too, and I break the barrier because I, yeah. I didn't yeah. safety up, and right. I got to go call the owner yeah. and, and apologize and hear how they got spending all this money on it and stuff. And, yeah, sorry. And I, so, sorry, Caleb got me all jacked up. I was really yeah, excited. Call Caleb. <laughs> so, so I think it's a different mentality, too, yeah. and I kind of look at it that way that, you know, so many of these people, clients that I have, yes, they would love to win first, but they would also love to win second or third sure. or fourth right, or place. Right, right, right. You know? Have their horse be in I it. I had a, a Palomino stud that I've been showing. I showed at Texas and Buckeye and then here. And he was four the, last year, so he's five this year. Long tail. Yeah, pretty time, time to get reckless. And, uh, and I didn't, we made three good runs at Texas. It just wasn't quite enough to make it back. Um, come back, seventh call or something at Buckeye, and I slip a leg to place fifth, maybe. I think I figured out without the leg. Um, and then I slip a leg on the first one here at Buckeye, or at Sun Circuit. But then we battle back and make it back to the short round. He ends up placing and winning 4,000. Sure. And his owner is ecstatic. Yeah, yeah. Ecstatic. Is that is that a gilding or stallion? Stallion. So... That, and, and that's a different measurement, too, because yep. when this horse gets ready to go into his next career, yep. those kinds of things, they even if up. you're not making money today, yep. it's adding up. Like those his resume is building. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Those things add up. And I think, and so that's maybe where I kind of have a tendency to lean toward is, you know, placing, placing everywhere I can. Yeah. Placing is not and bad. Not, and not, and, and, you know, if things work out right, we might win. Yep. You know, yep. and if they don't, we're going to place good. Um, and maybe it's some wrong mentality. Maybe it's. I mean, it's right when I don't know. Like well, that goes it, back, but that goes back to a program. Like you said, you, every program is going to have a fingerprint of the guy running it, yes. right? And so, if you're building that program every single day, it it wouldn't seem prudent to get to a show and then try to all of a sudden replicate somebody else's results. You're like, well, this yep. is what we've been building. <clears throat> this is what we're going to do. This yep. is our plan. If we're going to change that, we probably change it like Monday. Yep. <laughs> gradually over time, <laughs> right? instead of like today, I'm just going to try to go drop three coils and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. And I'm and I'm a big believer in that right there. You're not going to show up and and say, okay, I'm, you know, I I'm not gonna, just going to ring the barrier and you know blow across there and right throw three coils at a rodeo every time. That's not that's not that's not me. You know, yeah. I don't practice that at home. You yeah, because I go to some circuit rodeos and 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 mainly just to stay sharp and and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not that guy. So I can't just not practice and then just go to the road and expect to do it yeah. and be successful yeah. at it. Well, yeah, Maybe I mean, lucky one time, the, but the logic isn't even there. The no, I mean, not. and that's so hard not to look to the left and the right and see what everybody's doing and not feel like definitely it's almost like running a race and you're, you feel like sometimes you're getting passed and choosing not to run faster. Oh yeah. You know, believing like, Hey, at the end of this, <laughs> I'm going to be there. <laughs> you know, I used to run the quarter mile a hundred years ago. <laughs> And that was the hardest part. It's like when people pass you, you feel like, no, I've got to push right now. Yep. And then you gas out, right? Yep. And it's a discipline. I think it's a big time discipline to know your program and know when you get there, what you're going to try to do, and then do that. Do that. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, I, I've heard people say you can't be a horse trainer until you're 40 years old. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I'm not saying that's true, but yep. I think those are the kinds of things they're, they're talking about. There's a certain amount of maturity to say, definitely, this is my program. This isn't be able to do it. Yep. Do you think you're stronger in the head or healing? Um, probably heading. I think heading. I think I just got a little more natural, you know, kind of catch your head loop. Yeah. I think healing, I kind of have some bad habits. Horse-wise, horse-wise, what do you think you're, is there one that you're stronger in? Probably heading. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's a few things I, I do with a head horse that, that's kind of kind of works better for head horses that I can't quite get figured out in the healing yeah. quite yet. Where do you go when you see a gap like that? Because I think the average person would probably watch you heal and disagree, right? Mm -hmm. But you see it. Yep. So where do you go when you go, okay, I need to work on this. I need the improvement here. Where do you start? Um, I think just asking people, you know. I think just asking people and get, you know, get kind of, get just get some feedback. Do you feel and, like people blow you off ever, or do you think people are pretty, like, you've won enough now that if you ask, there's some humility in it. Yeah. You know, like an average person listening to this podcast that goes, like, man, I want to get better. Yeah. I know, I know there are times when people say, like, I've asked and I feel like I get blown off. Right. Like people aren't just, like, signing up to try to help, or, like, maybe yep. they give you, like, a like a pat on the head answer, but yep. at the level you're at, do you feel like people are invested back into helping? Yeah, and I think, but I also think, like, it also comes, because I see it at home with people coming over for lessons and stuff, and, and obviously it doesn't apply to everybody. But it also, you know, I could think when you're helping, you, you've helped people. When you see somebody that asks for help, but then you give them help, and they don't, they don't take it for what it's worth. Yeah, right. And so are you supposed to keep telling them? Then they ask again. You tell them the same thing. They still don't do it. So you're yeah. supposed to keep going? Or do you just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that looks good. So okay, I'm conflicted. I'm on bad that. about I, I, that. I'm conflicted on that, and here's why. Because, okay. yes, I do agree. I, on its face, I do agree. But I... It's just hard for me to imagine because I try not to be that way. I try not to be the guy that won't take advice. I really, I really want to get better yes. at everything. Yep. Like I listen to more podcasts than I put out, mm. and it, part of it is I love podcasts. I always have. I like communication anyway, but I want to see improvement. I want to, I want to hope yep. that we are better at what we're doing right here. A year from now, somebody listens to an hour long podcast and like they really feel like they got good depth out of it. Yep. Right. So I hope I'm a good advice taker. Right. But sometimes my talent sucks. Right? Like, there's times when I've asked for help healing, and, like, my healing, by my standards, is garbage. Mm -hmm. Like, I can heal at the house, but I don't want to go in or anywhere. And so there are times where I've asked for advice. So I'm, I'm leaving the door open a little bit, I guess what I'm saying is, like, sometimes yeah. I feel like I've asked for advice, and someone's like, well, just get in time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, that good advice. Thank you. Why don't you just give me advice to go start flying? I'd love to do that, too, <laughs> right? Um, so but I, I think that's two separate deals. Like, there's those, there's that, but then there's also the people that you say, okay, Go home, you know, you need to work with your head loop. Yeah. Go home and, you know, open, really get your rope broke over that right horn a little bit more and, and really follow that across. And right. don't worry about pulling your slacks so quickly. Let it fall all the way across and pull your slack down smooth. Right. And so you give them that to work on. They go home, they come, you see them a week later, and you're like, well, how, how is it? Well, I haven't roped the dummy at all. Yeah, no. That, so, yeah, totally different thing so right there. So it's right. two different spectrums right there. Yeah. Now, if a person's going to keep asking and actually try, yeah. I definitely yeah. they should not be blown off. But yeah, then you get those people. Because that's what, how Les helped me was I couldn't, you know, I'd go on the weekend, get a little help. He'd tell me, go home, do this. Yeah. And it, it made a big difference that my mom was also there listening. And when I went home, yeah, she, she was... didn't let me sit on the couch <laughs> and play video games. Right, She's like, right. hey, if we're going to go... Yeah. Two and a half hours to go see this less. This is costing us a lot of money. We're right. going to, you're going to, you're going to practice. Yeah. And, right. and she was adamant about that. Right. And, uh, no, that makes and, sense. That's a good clarification is like, if you're somebody that feels like you're trying to get advice and you're not seeing improvement, yep. but you're putting the effort in, yep. stick with it. Yep. If you're the guy that wants to get advice, but really what you want to do is just have a conversation. Yep. Don't waste people's time. Yeah. It's exactly. like trying horses. Same thing as trying horses. Same thing. If you genuinely have an interest in trying and you have the money to do it. Great. Go try the horse. Eventually, you're going to buy something. Right. If you're just the guy that wants to come over and you know yep. waste people's time, at some point you got to. Yep. Do you, do you ever call well, people out on on the 
Because if you're riding outside horses, how many of yours do you sell? Are you selling horses? Not, I'm not selling a ton of mine, I guess. So you're not I mean, having, to, sell you're not having to deal with the guys coming over and trying horses all the time. And not not all the time. I definitely get out, outside horses consigned to sell and stuff. But uh, And so I do deal with that a lot. And it, uh, You seem like a very polite person. Yeah. So I'm trying to imagine what that conversation would be like <laughs> when you're like, no, you can't come try any more horses because yeah. no, you're never going to buy one. Right. Yeah, I know, and I don't think I've ever said that to anybody. I'm just going to come try and don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. There's there's people that get to be notorious, especially in this little small town. Oh, yeah. There's people that get to be notorious about it. Yep. You're like, okay, that guy's never going to buy anything. And oh, so yeah. I don't think you have the difficult conversation of, hey, no, you mm. stop calling back. Right, stop you calling. Yeah, yeah, eventually like yep. you just go to answer your phone and it kind yep. of self-corrects. I might go a little different even say, like, this is – this horse isn't for you. You don't want this one. Yeah. Oh, you no, don't want this one, one buddy. Yeah. This one bucks or something. Yeah. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Don't call yeah. me. I'll call you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So where do you see? As we get ready, I, I, I've had you long enough. I don't want to waste your time. But, no worries. Um, it, it, as you're mapping out, are, are you a five-year plan kind of a person? Are you a right now kind of person, or do you have a like a long-term idea of where you see all this going? Uh, definitely long-term. Probably. I think everything. I try to do is somewhat long term. Okay, good. Because uh, sometimes I ask that, people are like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you, it, it, being a planner, yeah. where do you see all this going? Um, I guess I say long term, then I say I want to do the same thing I've been doing right now forever. No, no but that's but, I mean, that's, fine. but that's what I want to do. And, and I think eventually I want to narrow it down to, you know, strictly kind of show horses for the futurities. I, mm-hmm. think, I think eventually um, I'd like to get to a point where it's, you know, kind of mainly those. Um, even though the jackpotters are so such a good market, and I love yeah. going to little jackpots and seeing horses right. that I rode and people riding them and, and getting along, and they ask me, you know, what should I do right here? What should I do right there? Right. Well, and you've and rode I the horse really, enough to I know. I really enjoy that yeah. a lot, and so, um, and so I do. I would probably definitely miss that part of it. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, maybe just scaling back where I'm not quite. I'm not riding quite so many. You know, I get How many I get body sore. And, if you ask, okay, if I ask you how many horses do you have, is that the same as like asking a guy how many cows he has? Is that, <laughs> is that a kosher question to say how many? That's you, fine with me. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah how many? fine with me. I kind of slowed down in the winter. I think I had like 25 or so this winter. Okay. And I think kind of mid-summer, I think we get up to about 40. Goodness sakes. Yeah. So it's just all day, every it's day. It's all day, every day. And yeah, I get tired and sore. And How many steers, and, how many steers does it take to do that? Oh, shoot. I'm saying we usually have about 50 steers mm-hmm. um where we i live at it's a sale yard there and uh and so we kind of my wife she works works at sale yard my, my father-in-law he was partners in the sale yard and then uh but and she works up on the block my wife does so she's always there to kind of buy oddball stuff to, cheap cattle coming yeah, through you're open do you do you incorporate muleys and stuff like that into your deal you know i don't team roping that much okay i would love to um i don't have a big following of people that rope muleys yeah um you know, my, my help right now probably kid. Yeah. Alan, he's pretty he's pretty sticky well, on the wondered, and, I've wondered, With that many horses and half and half more cattle, I've I've wondered if there wouldn't be a way a guy could incorporate some of that so you're not just taking a bath on all your roping cattle because yeah. they're just such a depreciating asset. Definitely. It helps. I uh, My one ranch that I'm at, I grew up at, uh, my, me and my dad are partners on like 75 head of uh, natives. Oh, there you go. Yep. And so most of our steers come from there. There you go. Uh, yep. And we'll, we'll sell a handful off there, just kind of pay rent and stuff. Right. But, but uh, most of our shears come off there. 
in their steers we've kind of had. Yeah. Through the program, kept the cows. Yeah, high graded, and made kept the cows. And goes. They were good to rope after two years, so we turned them out and bred them again. Yeah. You know. Yep. Um, and I think it's just how you use them. That's yeah, for you sure. You know, we're we're pretty hard on people that come if they want to. If they want to rope and duck or leave slack slack out there and, and hit, hit them. them hard around the horns, and, and that's when they get bad when you throw yes. their heads up and and give them hits. You know, if you if you're good about roping and and getting their heads soft and rolling. Um, steers last a long time. We've got cattle right now that we've had for you know like three or four years, mm-hmm. and eventually they just won't fit in a prefert. Yep. But exactly the same thing. And I don't think that you're. I really, I suspect your average team roper who this is a hobby and it's fun. Yes. In fairness to that person, he's yeah. got stuff he stresses about at work. He's right. got things like he's got family. He's got stuff that he worries about. He's not worrying about how to keep steers good. In right. fairness to him, I get no, it for sure. But for me. That's a big part of what we do, trying Definitely. to keep them good. And so it's hard. It is hard for me, like exactly what you said, when somebody ropes and they're already on the horn and the rope is loose, and they're like, well, my horse didn't duck. I'm like, yeah, he did. He just ducked when you told him to. Yeah. I mean, he didn't take the throw away. Yep. He ran in there, roped, and you dallied, but he still ducked, and that steer's hips still past his shoulders. Exactly. They're just not They're just not going to take it. And, yep. and that is such a hard conversation to have with somebody. Like, listen, oh, yeah. no offense. You know, I'm not trying to be ugly but you have yeah. no idea how much money you're costing me exactly you're yeah. taking so much life out of that steer yeah. by doing yeah it's that. a losing game anyways you're gonna lose we're gonna lose money on the steers either yeah. way yeah even if i raise them i'm still gonna lose money on yeah. them but but it's just how much we're gonna lose on them and how yeah. much time we're gonna be able to get out of them for sure so with it's at the size that you are is it just a constant refining process of trying to get better horses better clarity better vision for what you're doing just i mean trying to streamline your process because now it's not necessarily a growth thing because it's not like you can have a hundred horses for sure is it just now trying to get specific bloodlines or specific types of horses or i think so yeah specific specific types of horses you know especially horses that are in the the royal crown and the riata um horses that are kind of bred into those Mm -hmm. because it gives them so many more avenues right um and i think the market really goes up on those um especially at a younger age, you know, last year was kind of the first year we had uh, quite a few three-year-olds that came in with the purpose of going through the whole fraternity program through their six-year-old yeah. year. Um, yeah. And I know people have had that before. But give that was, people, if you don't mind, and not to interrupt, but if, yeah. give people an idea because the average person, this is my, to me, this is mind blowing that team roping has gotten to this point. But right. when you say somebody's getting, something's going to be in there for three years, I don't know what you're charging. I'm not asking that at all. But yeah, I'm saying someone is no. putting somewhere in the neighborhood of like $36,000 yeah. into that horse yeah. to have a six-year-old. Right. That is mind-blowing to me yep. that the team roping world has caught up. But that's also a good warning to somebody that's like, man, maybe get in the fraternity. You're like, hey, you got to understand, yep. you're going to be roping against people who, before it started, have made almost a $40,000 investment, investment yeah. into that horse. Definitely. And with the potential, they're getting all that back. Yeah, I mean, you just get a couple of good hits. I think I, I said yeah. I saw something today that that Mara Trevor's the paint mare has won one hundred and ten thousand in the last year. Year, yeah, one year. Yeah. So, as big of an expense as that is, it's not unrealistic that you're going to see that come back and more, and yep. then have a horse that's worth whatever it's going to be worth. Yep. No, exactly. And I think that's where that's where you really see the people wanting to get into it because they see that right there. And a couple of horses that we've had do good that kind of have a little higher lifetime earnings. So. People see that and, and see that possibility of, you know, getting their return back yep. and having a horse for them in, in the end. Um, and that's quite a few people that I have at home is the people that are going to take that horse when they're done with it. Right. After a six-year-old right. year when it's been hauled for three years, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, 
they're going to have a good solid horse they could take to the jackpot, take anywhere they want to go. Which the sport of team roping has grown that the upside's not over. I exactly. mean, you go you go to any one of these ropings around here, yep. it's going to pay three to five thousand. You're going yep. to have good. I mean, great potential upside on a safe horse that's been hauled, that's seasoned, definitely six seven years old, definitely. So uh, I mean, the, yep. the the future. And but again, real quick, that's also why. It's worth the extra money to make sure you go to somebody like you, mm-hmm. somebody like, you know, Cade Rice, the guys that are really doing a good job, because that's your best opportunity also to see that coming back. Yeah. That's where your sure. best, you're really, your best money is to spend the money on the guys yep. that are, that are winning, because that's going to be where you get some of that. It, it oh. probably in the end is going to end up being cheaper than somebody who's like, I don't know, I've never really trained one, but I'll give it a shot. And you're yeah. like, man, good luck. Well, and I think definitely, I think understanding too, and, and picking a trainer that, that has the the end goal like yeah. i said i'm kind of end goal person right you know so i'm not thinking about you know i am thinking about doing good on this horse this year the couple four-year-olds i got about winning some stuff here this year you know i want mm-hmm. them to do good and i want them to be competitive but i'm also thinking about not blowing them up trying yeah. to win something this year yeah so i have a good horse for next year to take to the next level and horse not blow them up then either. Right. You know, keep progressing. Yeah. Never losing sight and, of the end goal. And yeah. The end goal that whoever owns this horse has something at the end of this deal. Yeah. Right. That, that they can use and they're happy with. Well, Trevor was saying that they didn't bring any four. They brought one four-year-old. They brought that Roan stud. Yep. Because he's a four-year-old and lifetime earnings, things like that, that are important for a horse like that. But the rest of the four-year-olds, because there wasn't a four-year-old incentive, they didn't bring him. Right. Like, that wasn't yep. worth the trip to Arizona yep. for them, for that horse, lifetime, exactly what you're saying. Yep. So, and I was the same way. I didn't bring any four-year-olds to Sun Circuit. Really? I only had three head horses and four heel horses. And so, you can show five. So, to your end. point, that end goal, there are times when the best thing you can do is to not – and and without an end goal, you're just going to go to everything that you can get. Like, whatever yep. is in front of you right there in that moment is going to yep. be – that's so, where you're going to go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Andy, this has been – Awesome. You bet. I like this a lot better. You get a lot more details. I felt like what we did in Fort Worth is a little bit of a hurry, but yes, it was. And yeah. I, I appreciate it. Good luck. And you got horse in the rancho. So now listen, by the time this airs, we've got a whole bunch of them piled up. It's going to be a while. Oh yeah. But by the time this one airs, you guys have got a horse in the rancho sale and then yep. Yep. out of here after lot, that. Yeah. A lot 60. And then we're headed home back to rainy California to get back to work. What time, what, what's it like this time of year? Is it starting to get nice? You know, it's usually pretty nice, but right now it's big, big rainstorms coming through California. Is there a chance? Kind of the is there a Coast. chance if that keeps up, you're gonna be like, "Oh, my truck isn't running." You Maybe. Have to yeah, high, high likelihood. Yeah, <laughs> stay out here in jackpot for a Yeah, week. high likelihood. Yeah. yeah, especially since we haven't got to stay this winter very much. So yeah, right. so yeah, an extra week sounds real nice, Dang especially right. when it's almost 80 today or 75 yeah, or whatever it's it was. Starting it's to smell like grass. Here. It's hey, I'm gonna tell you what, it's a trick. When it starts smelling like grass around here, be ready. It is like <laughs> yeah. summer is no joke, but that grass is like your pre-indicator. Like, all right, <laughs> time to get. <laughs> get oh, yeah. Andy, nice. appreciate it. Thanks for coming by. Yes, sir. Thank you.